I got a touch of the con crud. Imagine a little brush with some con crud on it, and here's me. Boop. Little touch. I didn't get any concrete this time. I was pretty obsessive about using Purell, just washing my hands and not touching anyone in general. Yeah, that's what I heard from your girlfriend. No, sorry. It's too That's one forced stinger. Jews and I podcast. This is episode 145 of the podcast. It's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even, yes, under the gaming table. I'm Alan Girding, and with me, I have the Adam to my Eve. It's a biblical reference there for you, Sean. Sean McCoy. Hello. Now, we usually don't talk religion on this show, and we're not about to start. But what I do want to talk about on this episode, Sean, is a little Nave Tonight submission and getting through our mailbag. We're getting piles of it, and we're getting to the point where I think it's going to be impossible to respond to everybody. I'm hell-bent on making sure that everyone who takes the time to submit a Nave Tonight submission, their submission will be played, quality assurance permitting. That's my vow, Sean. <laughs> it's a very powerful vow. Where should they send their Nave Tonight submissions? Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. How you feeling after Gen Con? Have you settled back down? What's up? I feel great. It's kind of a rough year for me travel-wise because I'm back for a couple weeks and then I have an engagement party in Florida. I live in Dallas, so I have to travel this weekend. Next week, I'm back for a week and then we have XOXO Fest. Then it's back and then we travel for my girlfriend's birthday. Then it's back. Then we have PAX Thanksgiving and Board Game Geek three weekends in a row. So it's a long con year for me. Throw in another one for me because I'm supposed to go to the Buckeye Game Fest in Columbus. That's run by CABS, which is the Columbus Area Board Gaming Club. They want me to come down there for at least a day and run some two rooms and a boom. So for me, that's smelling like I'm going to get divorced because I'll be gone so much. Oh, man. And then after that, I have shucks. Okay, so way before that, way before all this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Wait, what what happens before we're talking about? I thought all this stuff happens bit bam boom because we're looking at September. So September is XOXO, October is Lindsay's birthday, November is PAX, Thanksgiving, and BGG. So shucks is before that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole con fiesta. <laughs> at the end of August this month, there's Dragon Con, which we're not going to, but that's the very beginning of September. Then XOXO Fest in Portland, which we're going to. Then come back from that, and it's the Buckeye Game Fest in Columbus, which I'll be going to. Then you've got your whole girlfriend wedding going away thingy. 
October is when the Shut Up and Sit Down Expo happens. That's shucks, yo. And then in the very next weekend after that, it's the Hollow Wicked Weekend at Ravenwood Castle, the old castle event that I do. So that takes us through October. Then in November, we have BGG Con smack dab in the middle, November 14th. What? And then we have a week off. No, we don't, because it's Thanksgiving. And then at the end of November, it's PAX Unplugged. Only then, once December happens, we have a little bit of a break. But we don't, Sean. No, not really. Because it's going to be Christmas for those of us that celebrate. And unfortunately, I do. And you do, too. Holy crap. But you're doing well, despite all of the stress of what's going on? I'm keeping on top of it relatively well. We have That's Not Lemonade on the boat. We're out of stock of Two Rooms and a Boom. It's being reordered. We're out of stock of Necroboomicon. It's being reordered. No, in the UK, we have Two Rooms and a Boom available, yeah? Yes. In the UK, we have Two Rooms and a Boom at Amazon.co.uk. There's just a lot going on with shipping and fulfillment behind the scenes because we also have Mothership and Dead Planet, and those are selling and trying to get those in stores. So there's a lot of balls in the air alongside trying to get a new game up and running on Kickstarter. Speaking of balls, Sean, it's going to be all about stroking your balls. Let's do some interaction satisfaction. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Sean, a whole bunch of emails about the Mothership episode. And you know what pretty much every single one of them says? Never do that again. You got it. They said worst thing ever. No, sir, quite the opposite. Let me go ahead and read some of these from May. She says, I really enjoyed the Mothership Playcast episode. I thought the format worked really well with some discussion slash description between you and Sean alternating with segments of actual gameplay. The sound effects were great too. <laughs> yes, Sean. Also, I'll throw in Crystal Shelton Girding, someone who helps me take care of our dogs. She said, hey, make sure you tell Sean I really like his game. She really liked the simplicity of it, but the immersion that we went through is really cool. That's really sweet. Yeah. We also have an email from Alec M that says, The playcast was great. I like how condensed and action-packed it was. I would definitely be interested in hearing more RPG playcasts like this. Thanks. That is cool. Right? Another email from Michael. No last name provided, but Michael writes, Hey, I really enjoyed the playcast episode of Mothership. I want to get my hands on it. What is in store for the future of Mothership? So, Sean, take it away. What should people know about the future of Mothership? Are we just having Dead Planet? Are we stopping there with Dead Planet and Mothership? That's a great question. The hardest thing about an RPG and having it be really successful is it's almost like a lifelong commitment. The community has to grow. The community has to submit their own content. Sort of like an RPG won't really make it until people are designing and selling their own content for that RPG outside of the official first-party releases. You can go make your own D&D content on your blog right now. 
And that's really ultimately what makes D&D such a staple is the community surrounding it. So we're trying really hard to expand the community, make sure that people can play and run games. We're coming up with cool swag to give wardens who want to play in public spaces like conventions or game stores. But we are going to release more modules. The Tuesday Night Games friends and family, right? Like designers like Alan or Sir Weenie or Lindsay Road, like people that we consider, how would you describe them, Alan? Like in, in the family, I think you'd say? They're in the podcastle. Yes, they're in the podcastle. I know for a fact you're working on a module, and Lindsay Road is kind of exploring working on one. Don Stroud and Fiona Geist, who are both authors on Dead Planet, they're committed to doing more. Chance Phillips, who some of you may know, is like a wonder kid, 15-year-old writer for Lamentations, is working on one. We've probably got about eight to ten authors at some stage of working on a module right now. So a lot, lot more content along with finishing out the core rule books with a warden's guide and a monster manual. But right now you can get the core rule book, the player survival guide for pay what you want at mothershiprpg.com. And you can get the PDF of dead planet for seven 99. And that one's been going really well. Please review them. It would super help get the word out and let us know if you end up running the game. Cause we have a discord channel too, where everybody talks about this sort of stuff and it's fun to see the community growing. Yeah, it's so many people have great ideas, but ideas are worthless. What's really worth something is when those ideas are brought into reality. So even though a lot of individuals are saying they want to write modules and they have ideas of great adventure modules, let's see how many individuals actually go put forth the effort of creating them into reality. But Sean, let me ask, you are the creative hub. This is your baby. What if someone writes a crappy module? Would you reject it? Like what if Lindsay Road, Buttface McGee comes in and says, Hey, here's an inventor I wrote. And it just stinks before you even open the pages. It just feels like shit. And you read it and it's just one of the most boring things ever. Would you still publish it? Uh, If it was bad, I wouldn't. I think it depends on how close they are to us. Like if they're in the podcast, if they're friends and family, a big part is like not good or bad, but taste and what we're trying to do with Mothership. So Mothership is not story first. It's more like an escape room where challenge and challenging the player skill is a big part of the game. So there might just be some coaching and development where you say like, hey, we're trying to do more of this. Like, can you work on this, et cetera? And we could do a few rounds of feedback or whatever. I think that's really important. We want some sense of quality control, and we don't want it to branch off from something that is not your vision. So that was my main question is, do we have quality control? And I loved your answer because you said, we're not just going to say no, we'll work with the individual to help develop it a little bit more. So going back to the butt face McGee example, you would tell Lindsay, hey, why don't we refine this? We need a little bit more of mystery here. There are no dragons in Mothership, so get rid of the dragons, etc. And that's for first party releases. That's like if you want us to put in the work to get the layout, get the art done, uh, get a print run ordered, then yeah. And if you're really close to us, I think you've earned the right to have some constructive feedback. If it's a blind submission, if it's not good, then it'll be some constructive criticism and then move on. But if you want to release a game that's third party, where you self-publish it or publish it under your own company for use with the Mothership license, I think we encourage that for sure. Dungeon Crawl Classics does that, where it's like, if you want to put out a zine and send it to us and we can look at it and just say anything really basic and then slap the Mothership license logo on it, where you say, hey, this is for use with the Mothership RPG. We've got a couple people already interested in that. And I think that's great for growing the community, similar to how you can do with 
the open game license with D&D. Nice. You ready for one last email before we move on? Yeah, let's do it. This one I'm pretty interested in. I won't give too many details. Venelin Crave writes, Hi, Alan and Sean. Would you be open to get sponsorship for your podcast? We have several sponsors that ask for some more podcasts to look at. If you're interested, we're at www.blah, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to refine this email, Sean, and ask you, would we take sponsors on our podcast where at the beginning we'd say, hey, this episode brought to you by blah, 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 blah. Would you be interested in having sponsors on our podcast? I always defer to you when it comes to podcast matters because it's really your wheelhouse and it's your project. So you're the lead on all things podcast related. So I defer to you. From a business standpoint, sponsorships are usually win-win for the sponsor and not necessarily win-win for the advertisers. So for the podcast, we give them a shout out. We say, hey, go to our link, shopify.com slash Tuesday Games or whatever. And if people go through and they buy it, then we might get a small percentage. It costs... The advertiser, nothing though. They only pay usually if it works. So it's win-win for them. They get the free advertising anyway. And if somebody buys, they only have to pay us at that point. So I feel like we're more at risk with watering down our content and our brand. Than they are to advertise. Exactly. We're more vulnerable. Um, whereas things like a Patreon is more people directly supporting the content of the show. Right. Specifically. So I'm open to sponsorship, particularly if it's like sponsors within the industry that we know or that we want to support. Bingo. That would be more interesting to me. Because that's my answer, Sean. My answer is it totally depends on the sponsor and selfishly what they can provide for the podcast. Because if there's a Venn diagram overlap of juicy goodness for our listeners that I'd actually want to take our knaves on a journey towards, then yeah, I would totally have that. Do you have any... Let's, here's just my question for you, Sean. Dream sponsor... Like if this company sponsored us, they'd also give us some free swag that we could talk about on the podcast. Do you have any dream sponsors? Off the top of my head, the big role play game people that I love, D&D at Hasbro, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, but also companies like Dwarven Forge, if we got oh. some cool oh. Dwarven Forge type stuff or Reaper Miniatures, anything where I can get more tools to use in my games oh would my be goodness. great. That was a great answer because those are high-end things that cost a huge chunk of change, and I'd be doing it just for the free dungeon tiles from Dwarven Forge and the minis from Reaper. <laughs> Good answer. Any others? Uh, the Game Crafter, if we could get some credits on printing our prototypes, would be great. Kingdom Death, of course, but that's more about expensive miniatures. Oh, and like small groups like Unpub or Contessa who are like working really hard in the industry. I would love to partner with them just to get the word out about those sort of organizations. What about you, Alan? Do you have any sponsors that you'd like to see on the show? Soylent. <laughs> Soylent. Yeah, of course. I would love if I didn't have to pay for my Soylent anymore. I've been on this shit for three years. It's my primary life source. It's amazing. They just switched websites, which put a slight delay in my subscription. And that means that I have to go an entire week without Soylent, Sean. And man, do I miss it. I'm going to have to email back Venelin Crave and say, I'm craving some Soylent. So if that's one of the sponsors, I'll totally shill for some Soylent. <laughs> um, mm. Ah, I'll shut up. Hey, you want to see if we can knight someone? Let's do it. Hello, Alan. Sean. 
pirate whose name I can't remember right now. My name is Rick White, and I am a human being that lives in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a board gamer. I write for a family-based website called One Board Family, and I record a podcast for them as well. But for the importance of this particular story, I am a high school math teacher at the Atlanta Girls School. My story involves my attempt to combine my love of teaching with my love of board games. I'm an Algebra 2 teacher, and last year I decided I don't think students need to know quite as much about logarithms and asymptotes and things that you never really hear after you graduate high school. What they needed was problem-solving skills. So at the beginning of last year, we completed a unit on problem-solving that involved evaluating what's going on around you, determining how to solve any kind of problem that you have, And we did a lot of different activities and things, including playing a game app on their phones. They really had a good time with it, but I was trying to think of what would be the best way to wrap up this unit. And I decided that I was gonna throw out a few of the board games. With one of my classes that was only seven people large, I decided to break out Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now this particular game is one that is incredibly valued by my wife and I. This is one of our favorite games. For those that don't know, it involves going around a city, picking up clues, trying to figure out what has happened in this murder case. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure book for grownups. I sat down and read the case out to my students and they had to talk about how should they move around. I assigned one to the map, one to the directory, and one to take notes. And so they all worked together and eventually they seemed to really enjoy it. Some of them kind of checked out a few times simply because you're not going to please everyone. But we had a really good time with it. Another thing that I broke out was the Unlock series. I had the first three games from the Unlock series. I spread it out among two of my larger classes. The Unlock series involves a deck of cards that have clues on them. It's a really fun game. It's kind of like a card game version of an escape room. Well, most of the students seem to enjoy that. A few of them still had not grown in their problem-solving skills enough to where they could solve some of the harder challenges. And I was most disappointed when we came to discover that one of the cards from one of the decks was missing, which sort of ruined everything. The company was nice enough to send a replacement, but if you think about a game like that, that kind of defeats the purpose. But oh well, things happen. We'll get to use it again next year. But of course, the biggest experience that I came here to talk about was when we played Two Rooms and a Boom. Now, I don't own a copy of Two Rooms and a Boom, but because you guys are so generous, I was able to pull up the print and play copy and I passed it around and I kind of had to make it a little bit nicer because I didn't want to have to have any parent phone calls about why there was a student simulating that they had a bomb strapped to their chest. So I split my girls into two rooms, nine in each one. They were assigned their cards. They began to play the game. At first, they were completely confused and had no idea what was going on. They had never done anything like this. 
From time to time, we had to pause and kind of review what was the point of the game, and we had to work through it. But by the last two rounds, the anxiety had ramped up and the interest level was really high. And so when we had the grand reveal of the bomber, or I think we call them the zombie, because zombies are perfectly safe at a school, I guess. When the zombie was finally revealed to be in the same room as the president, there was plenty of cheering from the winning team. Had a great time with that. So that's my story of how I was able to involve board games and my real favorite hobby, which is educating students. It was wonderful. I plan to do it again this year, and I would love any suggestions that people had of even more games that we could use in the classroom. But that's my story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I look forward to great podcasts and great experiences from Tuesday night. Thanks so much. Games in the classroom. Now I teach, but I don't play games in the classroom because I own a game company with you. Not sure if you realize that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We own Tuesday night games together, Sean. I know this is news, but I figure that's double dipping and maybe a conflict of interest. I never want someone to accuse me of selling my games to my students. So I try to keep it not so much a secret, but I definitely don't advertise that I own a game company at my college. Do you have any ideas for games that would work great in the classroom? I mean, it depends on what you're trying to teach and what you're trying to accomplish. What about math, like Rick? (laughs) Golly, I have no idea. My friend Kane was talking about how he does this thing with little kids where they'll roll two dice, like 2d6, and whoever can come up with the, the sum quick enough takes the dice in their hand. And he says, you do this with kids, and it gets them up to the speed where they can add as quickly as the adults can you could throw in like a red die for subtraction you could start doing multiplication because it's this contest once they're in your hand like it's hard to remember so i'm sure there's tons of great math games like that i just played sushi go with like a five and a nine year old a few times over brunch the other day oh there's multiplication in there when you get your sets yeah exactly yeah and that's like a game you can play in the time span of a class and is a good icebreaker Good point. Has to be short, has to be nice and refined. I'm thinking of games that I've argued are too mathy. Oh my goodness, this feels like, for instance, Power Grid. Sure. Grid of Power? Is considered too much of a math game. Have you ever played Unlock? Unlock? No. Have you played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective yet? (laughs) I tried. Uh, My girlfriend and I learn the same way, where we both have to read something, and it was just like going to take too long to play with the two of us, like me reading something totally, passing it over to her. So I'll probably play it by myself at some point. Well, maybe we're not the experts here, since I'm not going to be doing games in the classroom. And Sean, you're not directly paid to be an instructor anywhere. But what we want you to do, if you have any ideas of games that can be played appropriately in the classroom, specifically for whatever subjects, please let us know right in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And while you're at it, check us out on social media. Give us a like. We're on Facebook, Twitter, at PlayTKG. And Sean, now we're also, we're, we're, we have a new social media thing. Yeah, we just started an Instagram page which is also Play TKG, uh, which has been great. And we're posting sort of daily photos of what's going on. I think Alan and I might jump on and do some live videos at some point. If I get a white box prototype in the mail, so you'll get a nice little notification that we're doing like a live video. And it's just a fun way to visually keep up with what's going on with us. 
I feel like I'm too old for Instagram, but I'll take one for the Tuesday night team and hop on Instagram. I don't get it. Snapchat who? What's that ghost doing but mocking me? I don't understand. I downloaded Snapchat, but we're not talking about Snapchat. We're talking about Instagram. Sorry. And what we should be talking about if we should knight Rick White over here. Oh, yeah. Sir Algebra. (laughs) Sir Algebra? Is that what you want to call him? Let's do it. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Algebra of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Algebra. Sir Rick White, as the newest knight of the Tuesday night gaming table. Yay! Woohoo! Yeah! What really helps listeners like you find this podcast is reviewing the podcast on iTunes. We're supposed to mention that every episode, Sean. So if I forget, you jump in and remind me that I'm supposed to shill out reviewing the podcast. No problem. Have you reviewed the podcast? I have. Yeah, I've got a sneaky, dumb review somewhere in there. I've created 70 fake email accounts just to give us all those reviews. So every single review you read is from me. That's a lie. I don't know why I even thought that would be funny. I did make (laughs) one, but I admitted it. I was painfully honest in that I wrote the review and saying, yeah, but I'm the host. So my review is biased, but it's amazing. Five star. It just helps out a lot really does reviews on our products particularly on amazon there are some games where if you don't have like five to ten reviews on amazon they don't even show up in the search rankings like it, it penalizes you on drive through rpg for rpg products i know that hitting that five stars goes a long way to getting us up in the search rankings and the same is true of reviews and itunes and that sort of thing it's just about helping get the word out about a thing that you probably like if you're listening to it It makes sense because our reviews are very disproportionate to the thousands of listeners, thousands of knaves out there, according to our stats. If you really want to help, uh, the best way to do it is give us a review on iTunes. You know what? I need to shut up and we should just end this thing. What do you think, Sean? Yes, please. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get out of here and get back to work. With that being said, this episode is... Ha, ha, ha.